0: There are lots of ideas how you can change the world. Some people think you should just complain about it. I won't change the world, I'll just make it mad. Some people think you have lots of money, money. Making rain everywhere you go. Mm -hmm. Holla for a dollar. Some people think you have to be really loud and yell a lot. It's like with a bullhorn, shouting. Hey you, yeah you, do it my way right now, you heard? Other people choose to just make fun of everything. That's dumb, that's dumb, everyone's dumb. It's easier to make fun of stuff, but it's cooler to make stuff. Some people think changing the world can only be done by the smartest person in the world. Just put them in a room, let them figure it out. The solution of world hunger? Food. Wow, that was like so amazing. Some people see the bad in the world and they just decide to ignore it. But that won't help anything. Some people think you have to be really famous and super cool. In fact, lots of people think you have to be really powerful to make a difference. Like being mayor, or senator, or president. But the truth is, a title doesn't make you more important. The world is changed by you. It's one person, filled with love. And they just have to live it out, so they do something awesome. Then that person is filled with love, and they do something awesome. It just goes on and on and on and on. And the next thing you know, everything's awesome. Some people think it's impossible to change the world.
1: It's impossible to change the world.
0: Well, you can see why they could think that. Living in the world with kids who are hungry, people who are homeless, families weren't happy, I'm just trying to figure it out like everybody else, man. But I do know this though. Next time you feel overwhelmed or totally alone, remember this. Things don't have to be the way they are. The world is changed by ordinary people. Little people living out big love. And That's what gives the world a reason to dance.
1: is, um, uh, is something that, that really we all desire. Uh, I mean, all of us, I think it's built inside of us for all of us to desire to somehow or another change our world, right? Like to make a difference in somebody's life. And, and he, he said it, he said it very eloquently. Uh, really, it all came down to love, right? Is, is, is what he said. And, and I think it's interesting that's where he landed um, because of what Scripture tells us so much about how we are to treat other people, of how we are to love others, of, of what we are supposed to do with the gospel, what we're supposed to do with Jesus. Um, and, and so um, I, I really think that that, that that desire that we have inside of us to, um, uh, to make a difference in, in the world uh, really can be seen through a lot of different things. Um, so, some, some of these are them. Uh, something like Tom's. You, th- you think about the, a shoe that you can buy that then they will give a pair of shoes to somebody else that needs a pair of shoes, right? Uh, that's what they're supposed to do. W- w- water well in Africa. Uh, you have all these different, these different ministries that have, that have come up that, that you give and they are going to provide clean water for a, a tribe or a family or, or a community of some kind in Africa. Uh, a few years back, we had the Ice Bucket Challenge. I mean, you guys remember that. Uh, it was, you were supposed to do this Ice Bucket Challenge or, or you were to give to the ALS uh, community. And uh, it's actually interesting that I don't think, I never, I never realized this until I started looking at it that, uh, that actually $115 million was raised for the ALS, for, for this cause that they were calling people to be a part of, right? Uh, and, and something else is, uh, is sponsoring a child right, you, you go to something like Winter Jam, and, and you hear about uh, sponsoring a child, and there's all these other different causes that are out there that, that when you look at it, it's like this is going to make a difference in somebody's life, um, and, and, and these are not all bad things, right, like th- th- these in themselves are, are, not, are not bad, and they're actually making a difference in families' lives, in, in children's lives, and in, in people's lives, um, but often I believe that, that we actually forget sometimes that, that we have been invited to be a part of the greatest cause ever. That, now let that sink in for just a moment. We, as, as believers, we have been called to be part of the greatest cause ever. And what we can actually do with that is we can actually change our world. This is one of the reasons that I actually do what i do i 'm a missionary with word of life and um, and, and one of the reasons I'm with World of Life is because I totally believe that God has called me to be with this ministry, to serve local churches, to help them to disciple and to evangelize young people. But another reason that I love doing what I do is, is, is I get to come alongside children, I get to come along teenagers, I get to come alongside uh, uh, adults, leaders, that, that uh, I get to train them, I get to teach them. And it's amazing that moment that you have with them that all of a sudden like the light comes on in their heart and they say, oh, this is what it's about. Like, this is what Jesus was saying when he said this. This is what that, that verse means. This is what scripture, this is, this is what I am supposed to be about, whatever that thing may be, right? So, so what is our cost? What is, what is it that is, going to, that is going to change our world and where we live? Because I, th- I think sometimes we, we do, we think about it like, like Kid President just said, he, he he said, you know, a, a world that's full of of hungry children, um, a, a world that is lost. If you start looking in spiritual realm, right, a, a world that, that that families are turning on on their children, or that or that husbands are turning on their wives, or the wives are turning on their or whatever it may be. This this world that that, that we are hurting, and 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 every single day we wake up and we try to put this like this this um, uh, this happy face on. And we go into the world to say, I got this figured out. When, when we know that our world around us really is kind of crashing in, right? But how can we actually change our world? I got a couple of verses I want, I want to show you here. The first one is Matthew. Go ahead and throw it out there. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20 says this And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is Jesus talking. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you to the end of the age. This verse is absolutely amazing when you look at it. And it and like it's, it's great when you look at it in our own English text. When you really begin to like, like dive into it in, in, in the Greek, what this verse is actually saying, what Jesus is telling the disciples is this. As you are going, Make disciples. Like, like as you are, wherever it is that you are going, if you're going to the marketplace, if you're going to the football game on Friday night, if you're going to Wamp, right? Like, wherever it is that you are going, make disciples. And, and how we do that is we share Jesus with people, right? They, they, they come to this very, very real realization that they need Jesus in their life, and then we help them to understand that even more. We teach them. Those things that Jesus has taught us that we see in our Word, and and, and the very end of that is very very key. It says, and Jesus says, "I am always with you. I will always be with you, while you're going and making disciples." Acts chapter one verse eight says this. It says, um, "But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the." earth. Jesus standing with his disciples, talking with them, and, and they're asking, them, asking him what they're supposed to do. And this is what he says. He says, go be witnesses for me. Go tell other people about me. I love the very next verse. I'm not going to read it, but the very next verse, it says that Jesus then all of a sudden went up into the clouds. He was, he was gone. The clouds received him out of their sight. And then a few verses later, you get an angel that is a couple of angels that stand before the disciples, and they say, why are you looking in the sky? Catch this picture, right? This is, this is so, so Jesus tells the disciples, go be witnesses for me, and then he goes off into the clouds, and just like I think that I would be doing, I would be staring up into the clouds in awe of what I just, what I just experienced, right? And, and all of a sudden, the, these guys, the Bible says, in, in white robes, they show up and they say, why are you looking in the clouds? Why are, you, why are you looking in the sky? Jesus just told you what to do. So go do it, is, 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 what, they, is what they say. And so there's this idea that I think that, that what, what we get in our minds sometimes is, is we get in so awe of what is going on around us or what Jesus has called us to do that we forget that we have to get moving, that we have to actually do something, right? So Jesus tells us, he says, go make disciples. Go be witnesses for me. This is the cause that Jesus is calling us to. He's driving us to make disciples, to go be witnesses for him. Go be a part of taking, of of being a part of taking somebody from death to life. Because that's what's happening. When somebody comes to know Jesus for the very first time, they go from death, they go from dead in their sin, the Bible tells us, to alive in Christ. How cool is that? So we get to be a part of that. That's what Jesus is telling us. We get to be a part of of helping people go from death to life, helping people to grow in their newfound faith. This is this evangelism and discipleship kind of being married together and working in perfect unity. Okay? So with with that, all all of that in mind, kind of keep it in your brain, go to the second letter that that, that Paul wrote to Timothy. Go, go Go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, we're going to be in chapter 2. Let me, uh, let me give you a little bit of historical context here, what's happening, okay? So 2 Timothy, this is a, this is a, a, a letter that, that Paul wrote, and he wrote it while he was in a Roman dungeon, okay? He was in prison. This is where Paul was. Paul was in prison writing to his dearest friend, Timothy, and he was in prison because of his faith that he had in Jesus Christ. Because of him living out what he believed, Paul was serving time in a Roman prison. Now, this isn't what we normally think of when we think of like a jail cell or a prison. Like this was, this was more than likely, this is actually a picture of what they say that, 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 the, that, the, that really the dungeon would have looked like where Paul was at. So, he, so he's in here. He, there may be some other prisoners in there with him. He may be all alone. It's a cold place. It's a dark place. It's a place that he doesn't always get like three, score, like three meals a day, right? He doesn't get yard time. He's here and he stays there. And, and the amazing thing is this. So, so he's in this place of darkness, of this, pla- this place that is, is cold, I'm sure, this place that, that's, um, that I'm sure he's a little hungry, um, th- th- this place that, that he really shouldn't be in. Right? Because he did, he, this is where like the, the criminals, like the murderers, like where they would go before, they, set, before they, they, go to, they go to trial. But Paul is here because of his faith that he had in Jesus. And, and the thing that amazes me about this is while he is in prison, Paul is writing this letter to Timothy. And, and it's an encouraging letter. It, 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 it's a letter that, that, that encourages Timothy and challenges Timothy in his walk. It, it's it's um, uh, established at some point around 67 AD that he actually wrote this letter. And, and according to tradition, Paul was beheaded not soon after he wrote this letter to Timothy. Because of his faith in Jesus Christ. Because of him having an unshakable living 100% for Jesus this is where Paul is. Now the purpose of this letter, like I said already, was to encourage Timothy in his ministry and in, in, in actually in a church in Ephesus where he was, where he was a pastor. And, and this theme that, that comes out in this, in this letter is this need, this idea, this encouragement, this challenge to be faithful in everything that he does. To, 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 to remain faithful to God even in the face of hardship. Hardship. You get this picture. Paul, in a dungeon, writing this letter to encourage Timothy and to challenge him to remain faithful even when he faces hardship. In, in, in the first chapter, um, Paul says, says a lot of different things, but it, it, it all gets kind of boiled down into two verses. In verse 13, he says this. It says, follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Uh, there, there's another version that actually says to, 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 uh, to guard the treasure that has been entrusted to you. So so he starts off with this idea of, of reminding Timothy to guard the most precious thing to him. And, and that's, his, that's his faith. That, 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 that is what, that is his faith and that, that is what, what he is, is telling other people about, he's supposed to guard that thing. And, and then we get to 2 Timothy 2, and this is where we're gonna be second, for, for a little bit, and then we're gonna go to chapter three, but, but 2 Timothy chapter 2, look at verse number one. Paul says this to Timothy, he says, "'You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace "'that is in Christ Jesus. "'And what you have heard from me "'in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men,' who will be able to teach others also. I absolutely love this passage um, where, where Paul writes this because what he, is, what he is telling Timothy to do is he's telling Timothy and, and kind of narrow, narrow it down is to reproduce himself and other people catch this, look, in verse number one, chapter two, verse one, he calls Timothy his child. Now, now they were not, they were not dad and son, right? Like, like blood relatives, but this was like a spiritual connection that Paul and Timothy had. So much so that there's several times in scripture that Paul actually tells, calls Timothy his brother, or his, his, his son, his dearest son. And then he says, that he says, be strengthened by the grace that is in who? In Christ. And it's not this strengthening of yourself. It's not this, like, you gotta get stronger, or you gotta pull strength from me, Timothy. But, it's, but he points him back to, to where it all started, right? He points him back to Jesus Christ, and he says, this is where your strength is going to come from. Be strengthened in that grace that is in Christ Jesus. And then he gets to verse two, and he says this, and what you have heard from me, th- th- this, this word heard is actually th- th- this idea of actually understanding something. It's not just like a hearing, like, like parents, how many times have you ever told your kids to do something, and you know they heard it, but they didn't understand it because they didn't do anything with it, right? right? Am I the only one? Okay, I'm the only one, okay. Um, so um, so yeah, it, it's, it's, it's more than just hearing it. It's actually understanding it is what Paul's saying. He, he's saying that, that you have heard from, you've understood from me in the presence of many witnesses, these, these eyewitnesses, these people that have actually heard or these people that have actually seen Right? They've heard me. They've seen me. And and, and you are to entrust to faithful men. You are to commit these things. You you, you are to to keep these things is what that word entrust means. To faithful men, to trustworthy people. You, You are to keep these things with trustworthy people. And get this, who will be able to teach others also. I, I, I love this, and, and I think it's fitting because um, we're getting ready to go back to school. Some schools actually start tomorrow, I believe, is what I was just told. Um, but some schools have already started, maybe. Some schools, I know our Texas schools already have, and, and we have schools that, that are going to be starting uh, later on in, in the month. And uh, this, this word that says that we are to be able to teach others also, this, this, is, this is what's happening in classrooms all across the United States, right? Where, where, where teachers are getting students in, into, their, into their classrooms, into chairs, and, and what they're trying to do is they are trying their best to, to, to cause those students to learn something. <laughs> right? But like, like that's what they're trying to do. With everything that they can do, Inside of them, with all of like the, 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 the crazy ideas that the, the, the teachers get to try to teach their kids, what they're trying to do is they're trying to learn their students something. They're trying to get them to, to catch something. They're, 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 they're trying, the, the wording here is actually to cause someone to learn. How cool is that? Right? It's not just sitting, but, but, but it's, you're actually, you're actually causing somebody to learn something. You're helping them to grow. You're helping them to see scripture more clearly. You're helping them to to see what Jesus or what God is doing in and through your life. It's it's this whole idea of, of reproducing yourself. Is, 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 what, is what Paul is telling Timothy to do. And, and, and the reason I can say that, it, the reason I can say that it's reproducing, uh, Paul is trying to reproduce himself and he's trying to get Timothy to reproduce himself is because of something he says in chapter 3. Okay, so, so look, look, flip over to chapter 3. I want, you, I want you to look at this verse. 2 Timothy 3, verse, verse number 10, says this. You, however, okay, still talking to Timothy, right? This is Paul speaking. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. Verse 11, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord has rescued me." This is, this is this amazing picture that, Paul, that Paul's giving us that he reminds Timothy, Timothy, we have lived life together. Timothy, I invited you into my life to follow me. I've invited you into my life so, so that I could be an example for you. And it was an example for everything. It was for teaching, for conduct, for aim in life, for faith, for patience, for love, for steadfastness for persecutions and suffering. So it's the good, the bad, the ugly, right? Is what Paul's saying here. He, he says it in a couple different ways here in other, in other passages. In 1 Corinthians four sixteen, he says this. He says, I urge you then be imitators of me. 1 Corinthians 11, he says it this way, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Philippians chapter three, he says it this way, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. See, I, I am, I'm convinced more than ever that, that what, what we do not need, really, what, like our kids, our, our, our teenagers, what we as adults, what... What we do not need is just another great sermon that that we hear. And and that we leave and we go and we live our week and then we come back on next Sunday and we hear another great sermon and then we leave and then we come back the next Sunday and we hear another great sermon. See, and I'm not not vouching for Pastor Philip to stop stop preaching. Like, I'm not saying that at all, right? Pastor Philip, I'm not saying that at all, I promise. Um, But what, what we need, what we need is this, is we need more Godly men and women who are going to be examples. We we need more of us in this church to say that I'm going to be an example for for the children over in children's worship or for the teens up in fuel or or in my small group or in my Bible study that that I have or or maybe the person that just sits next to me on Sunday morning, I need to be an example for them. I I need to be able to look at them and I I need to be able to say, Um, come follow me as I follow Jesus. Right? See, Paul is telling Timothy here, you have been with me. You have spent time with me. Through the good things, we've spent time together. Through the bad things, we've spent time together. And I've been able to tell you, Timothy, hey, follow me. Come follow me. And I'm going to lead you to Jesus. Right? Look a little further down in 2 Timothy 3. Verses, uh, verse 14. Look at verse 14. It says, but as for you, you know what, jump back up to 13. 13 says this, while evil people and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Paul is talking about um, if you look at the very beginning of, of chapter three, he lists this, this like godless society, the society that, that they love all of the wrong things. And, and he kind of, he boils it down to verse 12 where he says that, that, that these, um, I'm sorry, in, in verse 13, he says that, that these evil people, these imposters, they're gonna continue to get worse and worse and worse and worse. It's, it's, gonna, it's gonna continue to just go downhill. But he says this in verse, in verse 14, he says, But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it. He says, continue in what you have learned and what you have believed. This, this purpose here that, that Paul is, is giving to Timothy, I believe is something that we need to grab a hold of as well. That, that we say that, that those things that, that I have learned and those things that I have believed, those things that I learn in scripture, those things that I learn from my pastor, those things that I learn from my mom and my dad, those things that I learn in Bible study, those things that I learn from scripture as I'm reading it on Tuesday morning, right? Those things, I need to continue to live in those things. I need to continue to let those things like wash over me and I need to continue to stay in that. And I need to continue to learn in those things, right? Now let's jump back to Second Timothy two two. Second Timothy two two. Paul Paul wrote this with with that in mind. What we, what we just read there in chapter three where we see Paul in, inviting Timothy into his life, where Paul was saying, hey, Timothy, come follow me. Come do what I am doing. Be a part of everything that I am a part of. Hey, hey, hey Timothy, uh, remember to stay in, in, in the faith. Remember to continue in those things that you have learned and those things that you have believed. And then in verse, verse 2 of chapter 2, he says, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also so how do we do this how do we live out this purpose for the cause right the 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 go and make disciples the the be witnesses for me see see what 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 we can do is is this see let me me give you a picture of this real quick um this is something that i'm going off script so i'm going to get myself in trouble right um so ben let me get your help real quick come here come real quick and um, and let me get you to just pick somebody else in the audience. Okay, can you do that for really quickly. Okay, come on, Brian. Okay, so so what, what 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 is happening here? You stand right here for me. I got to stand up on steps so I can so people can see me still. Okay, behind you. Um. So 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 Ben is going to be my Paul. Okay, this, this is what Paul is writing. This is such a cool picture. I want you to visually see this. Okay. So so Paul is saying writing to Timothy. Okay, let, Brian's giving me my Timothy. So, so Paul writes to Timothy and he says those things that you've heard from me Timothy I want you to teach those to other men to other people so I, I need you to pick somebody please for me in the crowd just, somebody just pick somebody okay come on up here um, I just went completely blank why, why, do, why does this happen when you're on stage um, yes Kendrick Kendrick okay uh, I'm sorry, Kendrick, you're in my small group and I forgot your name. That's awesome. Um, okay, this is a, re- this is a real, real, real struggles, okay, real struggles. Okay, so Paul says, Timothy, I'm going to write, you, I, I'm writing to you, I'm telling you that, that you need to teach what I have taught you, okay? You need to teach what I have taught you and you need to teach it to other, other guys, other people that are going to be able to teach others also. So, so Kendrick, I need you to, to pick somebody out, just, it doesn't matter, just anybody. Ray, come on up here, buddy. Okay, so, so, so Ray, so, so, so catch what's happening here. So what Paul does in this one verse is he actually lays out four generations. He, he, he says, I'm the first generation. He says, I'm going to teach Timothy. And Timothy is going to teach other guys or other people that is going to teach other people. Now now what happens here is, 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 is great because it doesn't stop right here. Okay, this is an ongoing, right? It's to teach other guys that are going to be able to teach other people. So it continues on. So this is what I need you to do. Um, I need four more people to stand up. Just stand up where you're at. Four people. Not all at once. Roger, stand up. Ty, stand up. Thomas, stand up. Stand up for me. Okay, so four, four more. Okay, so now we have, we have these guys that are continuing to pour out themselves, to continue to invest in other other people, are continuing in, in, in their faith, right? They're staying in it, they're, 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 they're learning it, they're believing it, and they are passing on what they have learned to somebody else who's going to teach somebody else. Now, what happens here is really, really, because this is where multiplication starts to happen, okay? We have four guys, that okay, now we have eight guys all standing, so now I need eight more people to stand up. Can I have eight more people just stand up really quickly? Okay, two, three, four, okay, five, six, seven, eight, okay, perfect, okay, okay. So then we have, we have 8 plus 8 is what, math scholars? Okay, so then we would need 16 more people to stand up. And then how many would we have? 32. And then we would have 32 more people stand up. Then how many would we have? 64. And then how many would we have? 128. Good. Somebody's good with math back here. Okay, I want everybody to sit down for me real quick. Everybody sit down. Okay, so, so very quickly... What Paul is telling us and what he is showing us is that what we are to be about is we are to be about reproducing ourselves in other people. We are to be taking what we're learning and, and we're, to be, we're to be entrusting that, we're to be committing that to other trustworthy, we're, we're to be committing that to other people who are going to teach other people, who are going to teach other people. See, and, and th- this, looks, this can look a lot of different ways. You, you, you can teach somebody, right, what you already are, and you say, hey, come follow me. You, you, you can reflect the glory of God so much so that it affects other people around you. We, we, we become an example for, for our neighbors or for our coworkers, and we say, hey, come follow me. We continue in what we have learned and what we have firmly believed. And and you don't have to look past scripture to actually see this play out. When you look at the infancy stages of the church, like the beginning stages of the church, what we see is we see people's lives, we see families' lives, we see entire communities completely affected by Jesus. And we have it all written down right here for us. People showing up and, and showing the gospel to people and, and, and seeing people's lives dramatically changed by the gospel. See, a little over a year ago, our, our pastor, he actually went through this whole long series of, of going through Acts, through, through the entire book. And, and I think if we're not careful, what happens when we, when we begin to read through Acts we, we miss those moments where God is showing up and God is using ordinary men and women to impact the world that they're in. A, a few weeks ago, I actually heard a pastor say, um, he said that the most fruitful place for your ministry is where God has you right now. Let that sink in for a moment. The most fruitful place for ministry is where God has you right now. He has you there for a reason. And we see this through Acts. Catch this. If you want to follow along with me, go ahead. Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read through multiple verses. So Acts chapter 2, verse 41. I'm going to skip around a lot, okay? Verse 41 says this. So those who received the word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. Look down at verse 46. It says, and day by day, attending the temple together, and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That is God using ordinary men to impact their world. Look, flip over to Acts 4. Acts four four. It says this. It says, But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. Flip over to Acts chapter 8. This is after Stephen was martyred. Acts 8. Look at verse 4. It says, now those who were scattered went about preaching. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them Christ, and the crowds with one accord, the crowds with one accord, paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him, and they saw signs that he did. For unclean spirits cried out with a loud voice, came out of many of uh, who had them, and many of them who, who were paralyzed or lame. Were healed. I love verse 8. So there was much joy in that city. F- flip over to Acts chapter 11. See, if we're not careful, we, we, we miss that God is using ordinary men and women to change the world. Acts chapter 11, verse 20. It says, But there were some of them, men of uh, Cy- uh, Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. Look at verse, uh, go to chapter 14. Flip over. 14, look at verse 20. It says this, it says, But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel to the city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and to Antioch. The the, the amazing thing about these verses is we actually just read about these verses in 2 Timothy chapter 3. You, you guys catch that? Let me, let me read that verse again. In verse twenty-one, this is this is Paul, right? He he just he just was stoned. Okay, he was. And this is this is not like um, this is like throwing rocks at somebody. Okay, this isn't another kind of stone. This is like throwing rocks at somebody to kill them. Okay, he was he was just stoned. To, to die, and it says verse 21, when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, at Iconium, and Antioch. Look, 2 Timothy chapter 3. This is what Paul says. He says, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at where? Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. See, see, this is what we get to see here is Paul living out, and Paul challenging Timothy to continue to live out the only way that they can change the world, and that's through Jesus. I think about that. When I read through Acts, I, th- I think about this. I, I, say, I say, man, no TV, no internet, no Snapchat, guy, like, like no, no Instagram, no Facebook, like none of these things, and yet we see entire cities rejoicing with the disciples, we, 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 we get to see families' lives completely flipped upside down for Jesus. Because you had men and women who were faithful where God had placed them, and they were seeing fruit because of it. How cool is that? There, there's actually a teenager in, in this church. Uh, some of you probably don't even, don't even know this guy, uh, and that's okay. Okay. Um, but at the end of 2017, sometime in December, uh, Nick Parks came to know Jesus in a very, very real way. He, 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 he um, began a relationship with Christ for the first time in December of 2017. And then he began to meet with another guy in our church named Jonathan Edwards. Uh, it's a student out at PIU at, at Piedmont started to spend time with him, started to to disciple him. They started going through these Bible studies together. And what Zach did, um, what Nick did, I'm sorry, what Nick did was was he said, um, he said, I wanna do this with other students. Like like I wanna teach other students what I am learning. And, And so him and a buddy of his from school, from public school said, hey, we're gonna start having a Bible study. And so these two guys got together and they started to invite their other friends to this Bible study that they were having. And through this Bible study, through the spring and into the summer, uh, Nick and his buddy, I can't remember what his name, his his buddy, and and these other guys that started to come together for this Bible study, they were able to lead three other teenagers to Jesus. How stinking awesome is that? (laughs) Right, right? I mean, that's what it's about. Us teaching what we know to somebody else, so that they can teach somebody else, and that so they can teach somebody else. see, I think sometimes when we get down to this, we, we think, you know what um, I, I just I just don 't know if I can actually Uh, pay the price for that, because that is a big, the big ordeal, and, 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 like, me living out my faith, me, me living out what I believe in Jesus, like, that may cost me some friends, that may cost me some family member, like, that may cost me something. Uh, A a few weeks back, I actually, I I heard this song, and I'm gonna ask Scott to come up. Um, I heard, I heard this song, I would play this for you, but then everybody would leave the room, so, um, so, I asked Scott to come, and he would, he's gonna lead this song for me, and, and what I would like you to do is, is, you can, do, you can sing along with them. You can just read the words with them. You can pray these words. with. Because these words, to, to me, is, is what we are supposed to be about. The, the, the song is called No Matter the Cost. Awesome. Thanks, Scott. Um, think, think about that for just a minute. I want, to, I want you to leave those up there. We are willing, God. We will go. Where you lead us, God, we, we will go. See, if there's, there's some of you here this morning... That what God is telling you to do, what what, what God is is asking you, is challenging you, is imploring you to do, is is to take a a bag of brownies over to your neighbor to to, to love on them, right? Like like, like for, for the purpose of continuing to build a relationship with them so you can share Jesus with them. There, there's some of you here that, that, that what God is, is telling you to do is, is to start a Bible study at, maybe at work during your lunch break. Or, 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 or there's somebody here that, that God is saying to you just invite that person to church. Or invite that person to your small group. There's, there's somebody in here that God is saying to, to you to go talk to somebody and share Jesus with that person that everybody else makes fun of during lunch or on the band squad or on the baseball team or whatever it is, wherever it is that God has you. There's some of you that, that what God is telling you to do is to share Jesus after your round of golf with your buddy. Right? Like it's, and, and what we, our hearts should be saying is wherever you lead us, we will go. There may be somebody in this church right now that God has been calling you to full-time ministry. God is calling you in a very, very real way and you know that God, what God wants you to do is to leave the the, the comforts of your home and to go somewhere else specifically for the purpose of sharing Jesus with a different kind of people. That may be you here this morning. And what I want to challenge you with is encourage you with is to have that kind of heartbeat. We are willing, God. Wherever it is that you lead us, we will go. We will go wherever it is that you want to take us. The, the last thing I want, to, I want to share with you this morning is, is that there was actually a, um, a man named, uh, named Malcolm Gladwell. He, uh, he, he famously dubbed the phrase the tipping point and he wrote a book about it and, and he, he got his, his studies from um, the scientist at Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. And this is what they found out they found out that when just 10% of a population holds to an unshakable belief, that their belief will always be adopted by the majority of society. Now, when, when I came across this, my first initial thought was to, like, reject it. Like, there's just no way that this can happen. And then he began to, like, unfold these examples. See, the, the, the study... Um, actually showed that those 10 percenters, that, that he, he called them true believers. This is kind of a cool little phrase, right? A, a title for somebody that's unshakable in their belief, he called them true believers. And, and, and these examples that he unfolded, one of them was actually um, from the World War II era, and it was these, this marginalized group of political radicals in Germany that rose up to dominate the European force that ushered in, the Holocaust in World War Two. The, 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 there was a small minority of people, these politicals that were so radical in their belief that they that they ushered in their society what they believed. The, the, a more recent example that he gave was actually the LGBT movement. Talked about how, how that it was a very small minority and it still is a very small the the, the people living within the United States that, that are 100% unshakable in their belief that, that, that they are now moving across the land to make same-sex marriage law, and now they're even blurring the lines between gender. Very small minority of people that are 100% unshakable in their belief. So with that, I ask you this. Are you a true believer? Are you 100% unshakable in your belief, committed to following Jesus and his teachings, and, 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 and to share him with anybody and everybody that you come in contact with? That it is going to affect, it is going to change your world. It's going to light that first match and it's going to set ablaze. Are you 100% committed to following Jesus and reaching the world that he has placed you in today? How can we start that flame? We have to get moving. We cannot just sit in our comfortable seats Sunday morning after Sunday morning and expect us to change the world. We have to get moving. Moving. We have to do something. We have to love. We have to share Jesus. We have to be kind. We have to do all these different things that, that ultimately everything that we do is all, is, is all entrenched with the idea of us being able to share the hope and the life-changing love that Jesus has showed us. We share it with somebody else, and, and we challenge them to be sharing it with somebody else. To be sharing it with somebody else, and what we begin to see is, is our families and our schools and and our in our places of work and even our church be dramatically different because what we're doing is every single moment we're living 100% unshakable for Jesus. We're asking him to use us to change the world and where we live. Let me get you to bow your heads close your eyes.